0: Hello, my name is Lori Ellis, and I'm a writer and editor with Sightline. Today, I am here with Emily Mitchell, Executive Director, Decentralized Clinical Trial Operations, and Mike Adino, Senior Director, Patient Recruitment at ICON, to discuss how to best to encourage diversity in clinical trials. I want to thank you both for joining me today. So let's just dive right in. Emily, I'm going to start with you. Have you seen an increase in the demand from clients to address diversity in clinical trials in the last three to four years? And to further that, is this part of all study design conversations or just an additional benefit that you can point to?
1: Uh, So thanks, Lori. We actually have seen an increase in requests uh, for ensuring that diversity is a focus in the approach to delivering our clinical trials. Really what our clients are looking for is ensuring that we are having a further reach, that we're really hitting in on the underserved patient populations, and that even some clients are going to the point of adding it in as one of their study objectives. So not all studies at this point are actually including study design considerations and conversations in a proactive manner during the development of a protocol. However, when we have the opportunity to speak to them, it is an area that we're really focusing in on. We know that there is regulatory recommendations and mandates around ensuring that there is that diversity, inclusion, and equity in delivery of clinical trials. And by having the conversation as early as possible with our clients, it really ensures that they're hearing from us. We have the interest of a diverse patient population included. And also making sure that it is something that they start to think about in their clinical development pipeline as well.
0: Well, then let's go to how can you describe how the patient recruitment differs when the trial is hybrid versus fully decentralized trial? And Mike, I'm going to defer to you.
2: Sure. Thanks, Lori. So so patient recruitment is actually a critical piece of clinical research, which has actually become even more visible recently. For fully decentralized studies, the process of recruiting patients can be expanded significantly because we're not bound by geographic limitations that we see time and time again with traditional studies. And Actually, depending on the uh, trial requirements, the patients can be recruited from any location, and all study procedures can be conducted remotely, right? For hybrid studies, we often see that there's at least one physical visit, which is typically a screening visit or a randomization visit, for these type of trials, we can leverage digital channels and social media in combination with additional tools to help investigators identify patients within their databases that would be screened on-site before transitioning to decentralized study conduct, which could include things such as the deployment of our Excel Care in-home services, technologies to collect patient questionnaires, and other reported I- outcomes. Either way, social media and digital recruitment are key tools to both DCTs and hybrid studies.
0: Emily, do you have anything to add?
1: Thank you, Lori. Uh, Mike, I completely agree. I also feel that by utilizing the digital approach, it gives us a wider net that we are able to cast to ensure that we're capturing as many patients as possible. This really ends up becoming an important piece when we're looking at some of those more rare disease patient populations. Um, And I feel that, you know, Mike, our partnership that we've done in the past has really been successful in ensuring that we're getting the word out about that clinical trial and ensuring that we're working to bring as many people as possible into that funnel for patient recruitment.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: That actually lends quite nicely into the next question. So what patient recruitment options are there to particularly support increased and more appropriate diversity according to the
2: disease? Absolutely. So, from our perspective, trust remains a key factor for patients to entertain the idea of participating in clinical research. Increasing patient education around research and facilitating truly open conversations about clinical study opportunities between the patient, their family, and the doctors remains a top priority. This is why we go the extra mile here at ICON to create communication strategies that are customized not only to the protocol, but the target audience as well. We create content that is ideally based on findings uncovered through our patient insights team and combine that with study brand and visual themes and images that truly speak to the audience that we're trying to recruit in terms and visuals that appeal to them. Depending on the indication and, and certainly if the trial is decentralized, we apply tactics such as advertisement and social media and digital radio, which have increased our reach into previously underrepresented patients like never before. In addition, our AccelerCare site network is actively engaging with the communities to deeper our understanding and our involvement to truly understand and mitigate barriers to entry. And lastly, in the days of the gray Resignation, it site's our resource constraint. So we're actively discussing with customers the activation of teams, such as our site engagement liaisons to help the sites by reaching into communities And reaching into places such as barbershops and other locations where underrepresented patients come to meet and share their experiences. Because word of mouth continues to be an important way to increase trust uh, and squeeze awareness, particularly in some cultures. We are actually in in discussions with one of our most important clients uh, to use our sign engagement liaisons team to tap into the community events taking place in February, celebrating Black History Month to support enrollment for uh, a study that is recruiting psoriasis patients exclusively with skin of color. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's those are some of the key considerations when it comes to boosting diversity through patient recruitment strategies.
0: Fantastic. I'd also like to know if you either one of you have any possible examples of what different type of patient recruitment options that you were able to employ for diseases that are considered more rare diseases, where diversity would be... Um, a hugely important issue and one that would be harder to achieve.
2: One of the great things about about rare disease is that, you know, those patients live in very tightly knit communities, right? And they're often fueled by altruism. Up to 50% of rare disease studies take place in pediatric populations. So we are committed to protect our children. And I think we see that with patients that are suffering from rare disease. And because of that drive and because of that commitment, they're more likely to do things such as travel across the country for uh, conducting study visits. So I think decentralization is key because it reduces that burden. Now, if you think about a family that has to travel with young children because they suffer from rare disease, being able to decentralize that trial makes just clinical resources a treatment option a lot more practical to them.
1: And Mike, to add to that, I think from the rare disease perspective, it's also really important that not only are we looking at this from how do we do the recruitment strategy, how do we engage using uh, digital media and things, but also working very closely with advocacy groups. It's a lot of word of mouth, as you had said before. And within those small communities, within the rare disease patient population, if one person hears about a clinical trial and it seems to be working they will make sure that they let every other parent or every other caregiver know about that so that the word gets out there. And by utilizing those networks that are already established, it really gives the group the ability to hear what is out there, hear what is available and advocate for the care for their patients. It's
2: a really good call out. I couldn't agree with you more, Emily.
0: Okay. Apart from patient recruitment, what other services are part of the decentralized clinical trial model, which support increased diversity and inclusion. And Emily, I'm gonna start with you on this.
1: So thanks, Lori. There's a lot of ways for us to ensure that we're reducing burden, which tends to be a barrier, um, especially in more of an underserved patient population. By utilizing things like in-home services and making care available to them on their timeframe and in their community, that really ends up ensuring that we're hitting more of that diverse patient population. In addition, utilization of things like telehealth and digital platforms to be able to capture data in more of a real-world setting and really gathering what that diverse patient population has to say about what is going on on their lives uh, and during the clinical trial really ends up reducing the traditional all-white male that we are seeing with clinical trials previously. To be able to get over the barrier of technology, which can be a issue in some of the underserved patient populations, we also have the abilities to provision devices. So that way, that's not going to be an adherence or a reason that they would not end up participating in a study. So by being able to provision a device, Uh, where they can then capture that data remotely and do the telehealth visits uh, and communicate with their physician, it ends up making it that it's easier for those more diverse, maybe more underserved populations to participate in a clinical trial.
0: Can you give me an example of a study where diversity was a significant outcome of a decentralized clinical trial? And was this by design or did it happen as a result of the general study design of decentralized clinical trial model?
1: Many in the community probably have read in the Nature article published about the CHIEF study, we saw a 400% improvement in diversity in that study. This was a fully decentralized clinical trial that actually was designed to be fully decentralized before the pandemic hit. However, first site activation occurred that same week in the United States uh, that the shutdown had happened due to COVID-19. Surprisingly, that improvement in diversity was not one of our targeted outcomes. It was not a goal, and it was not designed to be focusing in on more of a diverse patient population. Uh, We not only saw that in improvement of people of color being enrolled, but also in the gender as well. There was a near-even gender split, which for heart failure uh, is very abnormal. Typically in a heart failure study, we're seeing more of the middle-aged white male population enrolling in studies. And based upon the research that's been done previously, we can look at how much that has changed by this approach with decentralization.
2: I think the Chief Study was dear and close to our hearts, as they say, right? And and as memory as Emily pointed out, we noticed some great enhancements and some great achievements when it comes to diversity, right? As noted. We also noticed that there was a, a very promising wide distribution from an age perspective in the Chief Study, right? We had individuals that were as young as early 20s all the way to you know their 80s and 70s, right? So again, just goes to show how powerful decentralization can be when it comes to uh, increasing uh, not only study awareness, but casting a wide net of awareness, right, to identify these patients that maybe previously didn't even know what a clinical trial was.
1: And I think to that point as well, that's, that's one case study, right? But um, Mike, you and I are working on another fully decentralized study together, and we're seeing similar effects as far as the race distribution uh, within that fully decentralized clinical trial. One of the other things that's interesting we're doing in that one is we're also looking at the region of where individuals live. So we are surveying the participants and seeing are they in a rural suburban or urban setting to really see are we having the impact and the reach with decentralizing clinical trials and targeting in on that recruitment effort to make sure that we're hitting further out from where we typically would see in that urban or suburban setting. So then
0: what do you think clients need to do if they really want to embed diversity in clinical trials? And also sure. what part does decentralized trials play in this, in the
2: environment? Absolutely. Thanks, Laurie. And I, I think Emily already touched on some of these, but it's it's it bears repeating. I personally believe that patient recruitment begins with protocol development. So anything that we can do to insert the patient voice into the protocol design will make research more appealing and less burdensome operationally and for the patient. Uh, So this this goes really hand in hand with the review and and all the processes that Emily's team is doing when it comes to review and opportunities that come into ICON for decentralization. Uh, They do a really great job, truly looking for practical ways to insert decentralized capabilities into into those uh, conversations. So that we can have open talks with our sponsors about what they can do to improve their protocol design up front so that we don't have to retrofit the things while we're in the middle of an enrollment period. Lastly, I think our clients and our teams really need to think of diversity as multifactorial and circumstantial because it, and when I say it, I mean diversity, it truly can be defined in many different ways depending on the disease, the location that the trial is being conducted, and even the patient and their care circle. So our ask would be that, you know, you really think about diversity as a new way of thinking, a new methodology, keeping in mind the diversity goals as a top priority from the beginning of the project all the way through last patient in and really extending into retention all the way through last patient out.
1: Mike, I couldn't agree more. I especially encourage the early engagement piece and the gathering of the patient voice us in the decentralized trial operations team can do all kinds of wonderful, really neat things to develop a protocol that has technology and has removed site visits and has made it so that you don't even have to go to a brick and mortar location anymore. But if that patient population doesn't want that, we're not going to be successful. And I think that's where going back to the communities and going back to the patients and hearing, is this the approach you want? And being able to also give them an option to choose the pathway that they want to participate with is really going to end up being important to ensure that we're hitting the right diversity targets and also making sure that we can operationally deliver a trial.
0: So I have a question about diversity. We've spoken and and patient recruitment. We've spoken a great deal about digital recruitment, but I'd like to know a little bit more about the human element and the outreach that is done. And Emily, I'm going to start with you.
1: Thanks, Lori. While I think digital recruitment is a fantastic tool, it shouldn't be the only tool that we utilize. While it does a great job of being able to focus in on a targeted, diverse patient population, we also need to ensure that the sites are able to support those patient populations, have the conversations with the patients, and bring them along the patient journey, really adding that human element to the recruitment process. Mike, can you add in a little bit about how we do that with our AcelaCare sites? as well and, and what they're doing from a a recruitment perspective and ad campaigns that they develop?
2: Absolutely. First of all, Lori, I think that's an excellent question. And Emily, as 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 always, you hit the nail on the top of the head precisely. Um, as as I, as we mentioned earlier, trust remains an a critical component of not only clinical research, but especially uh, decentralized trials, right? As you know, procedures take place in a decentralized manner. To expand on that, I can tell you that the human element remains a vital piece of that, particularly in studies in oncology. Right, as we know, the relationship between the patient and oncologist is really the decisive factor when it comes to uh, a patient changing their treatment course. Right, and if that treatment course includes a clinical research, then that just becomes an even more highlighted area there. So establishing trust. Leveraging the existing relationships that our sites have with that patient is important because the patients have that established trust with their physician. This is where ICON, I feel, has a true differentiator in the industry in that our accelerator site network has those relationships. They are deepening those relationships with the community by sending out surveys and engaging with the community to truly understand those barriers to entry and address them proactively. they feed uh, their patients into clinical research as a treatment option versus a site that is basically just you know, trying to identify potential participants for a trial that is unknown to them. So they remain and retain um, that, that presence there within the patient. So um, it, is, it is critically important to remember that social media and digital advertisement uh, supplements recruitment. Uh, in some areas, most patients will come still from uh, sites and in this case, with Icon owning a our site network, we really do have a you know a, a leg up when it comes to enrollment because those relationships exist already between those sites and the patients.
1: So
0: for sponsors, how do you create a foundation to embed diversity, not just for your current studies that you're working on, but then for your future studies, for it to be more of a strategic framework?
2: I think that's another very important question when it comes to diversity and. You know, I believe that diversity starts within. So here at ICON, we've created the diversity, inclusion, and belonging uh, work stream. And within it, um, we have the patient ambition. And uh, we work with experts from all walks of life within ICON to truly understand what diversity opportunities we have to insert into opportunities or projects that, you know, ICON comes across. And what we have done is we have established a process through which we identify all the opportunities that come in, we review them, and then put some thoughts and considerations around increasing diversity. And once the project is awarded, then the team comes together to develop operational plans that outline in detail the strategies that help increase diversity and also outline within that plan pre-identified triggers to activate contingencies to truly truly further enhance uh, the reach of tactics to increase diversity, whether that is activating a centralized digital advertisement or activating site engagement liaisons at a predetermined point in the enrollment period, help to truly get everyone on the team on the same page, thinking about you know, what are the next steps in the plan to not only meet enrollment, but really meet those diversity goals.
0: Well, thank you, Mike and Emily, for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. I would also like to thank the sponsor of this podcast, ICON, for making this great discussion possible and have a great day.